2: They get their minutes and they tackle them as they see fit. Here's your host from the Groundhog Day Project and Michael Myers Minute, Robert Black.
1: Minute 22, Annie is overwhelmed, but Harry wants an interview. To tackle Minute 22, we have Sean German and Dave Pallas from Groundhog Minute, along with James Costa of Whole Week Costa.
3: You come home, there's a giant maze in your living room, you're like, what the? There's a giant maze in my living room. I've heard of people rearranging the furniture, but this is wackadoodle crazy. Yeah, it this doesn't make any sense. problem. It's like a
1: fucking cocktail party in here.
3: If I get a few words from you before you go.
1: And welcome back to Dave made a a m Dave made a maze minute. <laughs> that's that's I guess what we're gonna go with or yeah. or the the minute or podcast whatever the Robert Black Mystery Maze Project. Yeah.
3: There's no continuity to the intros or outros. Oh, so, no, uh,
1: I I don't know who you were just listening to and who you're <laughs> going to listen to after us. Yeah, but I hope you have fun. I really do.
3: I think this whole the whole theme is mystery. <laughs>
1: yeah, and mm-hmm. I, I'm good with it. And <laughs> I'm good with that.
3: Uh, my whole life, people thought I was a mystery boy, girl, alien, dog. No one ever knew. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Quite the enigma. Uh, so yeah, we have we have Sean and Jay. Back here, I'm Dave. Hi, welcome back, listeners. So we're gonna we're gonna walk you through uh, minute 22 here. So we start off spooky cardboard eyes. I'm just gonna say that right out front. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, our 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 hobo chilling with some coffee. Uh, we got Harry's camera crew setting up, and Annie is creeped out by the 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 alive origami <laughs> she has.
0: <laughs> yeah, so the, the maze is kind of coming alive itself yeah. and we, we we talked about it a little bit earlier in a previous minute i'm sure other folks maybe have talked about it, how the the maze is uh is a character unto itself as much as these people are and and also we we previously talked about the you know kind of the, the found footage genre and how we were glad like they weren't doing that This for the most part was a um you know, a, a traditionally filmed film, but we do get a little bit of the view through the documentary crew, um, what they're seeing, what they're recording as well, a little bit later. Um, but I, I get ahead of myself because I really want to start off. You, you mentioned, uh, Dave, the, the the Maze Eyes yeah, it's at a, the very beginning of this minute.
3: I, I believe it's Olmec's brother, Tom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right? So, yeah. Yeah, it,
0: was, well, it was
3: creepy, so...
0: Yeah. It made me think of uh the Gnome King from Return to Oz. And there's 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 some scenes, there's some animated scenes in that film. Uh well shout out to uh Return to Oz Is Minute, that but
3: there's the Michael Jackson one? No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no not... that's
3: the whiz. That's the yeah, whiz. That's the whiz.
0: No, not the whiz. <laughs> um the I'm I'm talking about Return to Oz with uh Fruza Balk playing uh, dorothy gale as sort of a somehow she's younger than the dorothy in the original wizard of oz but yet it's a sequel but i uh, we can't explain all that but uh in 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 that film there's um a gnome king who's kind of i guess made out of at some point he looks like he's a person but at other points he's like made out of rock he's kind of part of this mountain hmm. and there's 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 animated sequences where it looks very similar to to the cardboard. Um, you know, rock versus paper. Um, I guess we just need scissors to complete the, the triad there. But yeah, so this definitely reminded me of some of the animated sequences of the Gnome King uh, from Return to Oz. And I thought that was interesting because in that film, the Gnome King is played by Nicol Williamson, who, in addition to Return to Oz may be best known to our listeners as Merlin in the 1981 film Excalibur. Wow. Um, interestingly, though, also in 1981, he was in. Nickel Williamson was in Venom with Michael Goff, who played Alfred Pennyworth in Batman and, and Batman Returns. Uh, the uh, th- those Batman films, but Nickel Williamson was also in the Will Be Conspiracy with Michael Caine. Who, who would later play Alfred in Batman Begins and The Dark Knight.
1: I so you can see to... this is all connected to Batman. I knew it. As soon as you started, I knew it. You're like, now John and Niall, they're like really excited all of a sudden. Yes. I want to
3: come over your house. I want to see the map with the string doing all this because, because Dave, I, I've known Dave 15, 16 years probably, and and he knows how much I love B actors, C actors. And you're pulling this shit out out of your out of your ass, and I'm like, oh my god! Like, <laughs> like, like even I'm impressed. And, you know, so, so so here's my uh, non-auditory uh, clap to you. You know. Oh okay. So. Well,
0: thank you. Yeah. So yeah. So this this maze, it's all connected to to Batman in several degrees by way of Return to Oz. So yeah. So we we see now the personification. If if we felt metaphorically the maze was a character that just literally puts a face on it there yeah.
3: it's a, yeah it's a living <laughs> living uh, character with weird eyes so
0: yeah and and speaking of weird eyes we then flash back to the apartment world
3: <laughs> <laughs> this is every, every scene with the hobo is great yeah,
0: yeah. now is this, is this a it does he have is this like one of the coffee cups from uh Greg and Brynn.
1: No, this is not one of theirs. Just, they had, there, there's, there's those cafe ones where it's like super wide. Mm-hmm. That's a more respectable, it's in your kitchen drawer coffee okay. mug. So this is
0: like a human mug that someone actually has in their kitchen.
1: Yeah. So like this is, and actually I kind of think it's respectable. Like I thought he was going to like just make a mess, but. No, he. I mean, I was actually waiting for him to shower, but he's really just kind of sitting there, just sipping yeah. coffee. And- he's not like, yeah,
0: he's he's not selling off the furniture. He's not having like friends over a big hobo party. He's a pretty good house sitter. Yeah, he's just kind of keeping things in control.
3: He he wants to shower, but he wants to have his morning coffee, you know, yeah. or his afternoon yeah. coffee or whatever, then take a shower, you know, and then uh, the the Newman uh, the Newman neighbor comes in the door.
1: I, I, and, and I wanted <laughs> yes. I want to mention that I don't know if we got a good chance earlier in the film maybe they weren't there but look at how many origami birds there are on the floor of the uh, yes of the apartment
0: yeah going back to you know the minutes we had uh 12 and 15 we were looking at the people their heads I have we didn't really see the floor so is this you know is this part of the maze because it's paper related yeah and it's kind of in- infesting or yeah we don't know quite where all that came at yeah we see all the the origami and Look. we also see that the the enter sign the, enter the light has changed from green to red i mean it's purple but it's uh yeah
1: a reddish type color um and also i don't know the the samurai swords that feels like the, that's like the classic i bought them on ebay because i thought they were cool and now they like, sit on my nightstand collecting dust
0: that's definitely one of those things where like like the box arrives and you're like, what, what did I order this? What? And then you open it and you're like, oh yeah, that night, you know, we opened that <laughs> bottle of scotch and yeah,
3: there's three empty bottles of pop off on, on the corner. <laughs> right. Yeah. And there's only two of you. You're like, oh no.
0: Yeah. This is something that you, cause it doesn't really fit in with the rest of the decor. There's, we don't see other weapons and we don't see other far East Asian influence kind of thing. So that's definitely like a late night drinking, kind of blackout ebay purchase or, right
3: there or i have an alternate alternate uh you know theory about this and he seems level-headed we see her going you know what i'm gonna pack up i'm gonna pack my lunch i'm gonna pack my uh i'm gonna you know pack a box cutter some glow sticks like she see- she seems prepared she's a boy scout like she's right. going in there with her shit right mm-hmm. and f- even though we don't meet dave we we can see Dave's kind of childish. He buys samurai swords. Yeah, he built like a box fort on the ground. <laughs> and Gee, like, what what no. makes you think he's childish? <laughs> yeah, and she she tells him, no, don't buy the samurai swords. And he, and he's like, you know what? I'm buying the samurai swords. Mm-hmm. You know, with her yeah. money, obviously, because if you buy if you build a fort that big out of cardboard, you don't have a job.
1: Yeah, yeah. You can you could almost probably look around the room and figure out who bought what, like. The antique, uh, yeah, the, the 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 film reels, and the antique uh, phone, yeah, that's probably a Dave thing. Like the lamp and the plant in the corner, probably Anne. You know,
0: mm-hmm. like if it, yeah, if it's practical and has a purpose, that was probably Anne. If it's kind of funky, eh, that was probably Dave. Yeah, though I wonder. So we saw, we know Annie thought had the forethought to bring a box cutter with her. You know, is this kind of is it Chekhov samurai sword? Are we going to see a larger blade? come into play later as well. Something to keep an eye on. I mean, we'll, not not this minute, but just kind of for the listener to uh, to look forward to. Uh,
3: yeah. I, I'm telling you, I haven't seen the movie, but I feel like the hobo is going to drop a samurai sword down one of the tunnels. Or oh one my of the, uh, God. Chimneys.
0: Oh yeah. That'd be so cool. Yeah. Send it down one of the chimney exhaust pipe, cardboard tube, paper oh, towel
1: tube. Things. I would, I honestly would love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh yeah so yeah so leonard then decides oh i'll go in the the, the i'm gonna go in the maze too like for whatever reason the, the hobo just I, I, the hobo like the look he gives is like all right whatever like I'm, I, I i was like just like eight ten people in there now like i sure why not add another
3: well you gotta think this is the first time in probably a while that he sat in a room that's pretty nice
1: yeah yeah he doesn't yeah. need to go anywhere <laughs>
3: But let me ask you, uh, let me ask you guys a question because this is this. It seems to us that this is uh, <laughs> messing with time and size. Mm-hmm. Say you have a little gold nugget and you drop it down a chimney, and they put this gold nugget in their backpack. Does it grow as they come out of the maze?
0: <sighs> ha! Yeah. yeah, I don't know. See, that's I, a good question.
1: Yeah, it's like. I... <clears throat> I don't know. I, 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 I'm I always curious if it, it changes its size respective to where their POV is. Like, you drop it down a chimney, it's only the size of a quarter, that it will then, you'll, you'll hear something fall from so far high, beep, 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 and then a quarter-sized nugget will then fall on the ground. Like And then you'll take it outside, and it will also be, a you know, you, and then the nugget will also be respectable to your size they were. Like that's how I think it is.
0: Yeah. I feel like there's some conservation. So it would, when you, when you drop it into the labyrinth or the maze, it would shrink because the maze looks bigger. But then when you take it out, it would like whatever happens when you go in, that just gets undone when you come out. So you're going to end up with the same amount of gold you started with.
3: Nah, i figured i figured i'd figure throw it out yeah. there i
0: don't know it's worth a thought you know probably worth experimenting to see that, like if there's some kind of loophole you can you know utilize the maze powers for get rich quick baby there you go yeah,
3: that's, it's all any american wants <laughs> there you
0: go though, i mean if just if they're in in a large city just the just the, the rental space like this guy has one you know the this one apartment that i guess is i guess Anne's the roommate that uh you know, Dave and Ann live in this one apartment, but now they can sublet it to many other people. Yeah. There you go. Just become landlords and just <laughs> yeah, rent out the rich. maze.
3: Uh, here, tie the rope on uh, tie the rope <laughs> on your waist and tie it to the radiator, and then when you want to leave in the morning you're good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And Leonard's another one. We we saw it in minute fifteen, like they're just no one's tying the rope around the waist or leaving a breadcrumbs or whatever. They're just diving right into that maze.
3: I I would have definitely left breadcrumbs, but on the other hand, Annie is in there with a, a camera crew, so if they're recording everything, they could just watch the film yeah. to see where they turn. They make their turns,
0: right? So, yeah, I mean, I assume at this point it's it's video. It's not actual film that has to be developed, so they can just play it back whenever right. they need to.
1: So uh, since we cut to the yeah, you know, we're now inside the maze with Anne. No one else is freaking out about the alive origami. Like, every, like, like I said, we have Harry and his crew. They're just so infatuated with, with filming her, you know, talk about the maze. When she's like, oh, my God, like this like, origami is alive right now. Like, yeah. <laughs> Harry completely ignores it, And it just flies away. It just goes,
3: whoop. Well, maybe it's the fact they were standing outside a four foot tall maze and then they went into <laughs> it. It's a cavernous maze. And at that point, you just and then they've already seen a, a, a face with eyes that move where you go, whoop. Nothing's weird to me now.
1: Yeah, it's um it's like uh it's almost just like uh it's like annihilation. They went in with and Allie Portman and the ladies mm-hmm. the scientists yeah. and they're like everything we know about science and and math and everything it's it, nothing's working, you know. It's 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 playing off of its own rules. Right. Uh
3: it's it's like eating a it's like eating uh a pizza. Like the best pizza you've ever had. Mm-hmm. After four or five of those pizzas, you just go, well, it's it's a pizza, you know. It's like well, I'm going to move on. So after four or five weird things happen, you probably <laughs> just go, "Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I, I expect weird shit to happen the rest of the yeah. day." Yeah, but like, I, I...
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do. Yeah, I, I like the characters like Anne that like recognize, oh, like this is something weird, something different's happening, something not normal here. I mean, we're going to move on. We're not going to complete freak out because that doesn't advance the plot. But at least recognize, at least have the look on her face like, this is not normal. This is not something we see every day. I feel like she's, she's more relatable than, than some of these other characters. And that there is a certain, I mean, I think these other characters say something. Like the camera crew, you know, the director, Harry, um, I, you know, he seems to be in charge, you know, of, of this crew. And they're his crew. Like, of course, he's just focused on, he's, he's like Rita in, in Groundhog Day. He just wants to know where to put the camera. You know, he just yeah. wants the shot. So he's, he, he's just not gonna, he's just, he's, his focus is very narrow. So he doesn't notice these other things because he's, you know, he's working on a docu- documentary. He wants the talking head. He wants, all right, Anne, you know, you sit here and, and what are you thinking? And what are you feeling? And, you know, you give your reaction to all these things that are happening around you. He's not noticing those things directly. He's, you know, he's getting at them indirectly through the the interviews that he's going to do for his documentary, kind of thing. Yeah, he's 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 the reader.
1: I I I also like I also I'm kind of cheesed off at Harry because like this is also slowing down their progress. You know, Dave's lost in this maze and he wants to document it, but he wants to sit them down and get the light right. Like he's oh he wants to talk about oh do we have a bounce? Can we get the light on them? Can we? What does he say? He used the phrases, she keys left, do you have a balance, fill on the other side of her face. So he's trying to make this perfect documentary about it. And I think Anne, yeah, Anne is just, like, overwhelmed with the magic of this maze. Mm -hmm. And the fact that her friend, Dave, is trapped in here. And she's like, we gotta get to him. Like, if he's dead, then, like, this will be the worst thing ever to to, to record. Yeah, so there's there's...
0: And and going back to what, what we've said in previous minutes and what I'm sure other other hosts have, have noted as well as 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 a commentary on the filmmaking process, that even as a documentary, there's something artificial that like what is happening doesn't match what would happen if the camera crew wasn't there. So like you're you're you know, he's not just naturally filming as they run through. And even if he was. They'd probably stop and wait for the camera crew to catch up and that kind of thing, or the camera would go ahead to get, so it's, you know, you get a shot of them running towards the camera in addition to away. And, you know, yeah, if you're, if you're actually going through a labyrinth trying to find your lost friend, you're not going to stop to have this heart to heart talk and and delve into your feelings and and your reactions and everything no you're just going to go forward yeah so the very act you know it's a little bit of the quantum effect that observing makes the the very act of making a documentary means what's happening is not natural yeah
1: yeah um and, and it's like if he doesn't like the light here, well, you decide to film underneath this. Like I love that shot <laughs> of that the uh, the fan that's clearly like it gives a real verticality yes. to the scene. It makes it this room even feel bigger. That mm-hmm. somewhere above them is some kind of ventilation fan slowly spinning, and you get that shadow cast. Yeah, yeah, that
0: that was definitely very well thought out on on several levels. It shows some thought that. I would assume this is something that Dave built into the maze. So he kind of knew this was going to be big and anticipated, well, you got to think about airflow. You don't want to suffocate while you're in there. So you need some kind of something to keep the air moving just from that perspective. And then from the, the filmmaker perspective that, yeah, it has it really has a great effect on this scene that it's it's weird. Like I felt claustrophobic. In a large space at the same time and i know that's a like paradoxical or contradictory like i feel we're we're inside the cardboard we're inside the maze but having just the shadow of the swirling fan kind of gives height that we don't see but we can feel it it gives height to the space and 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 emphasizes the idea that this is much larger on the inside than what we've been seeing outside
1: yeah, I honestly I'm like watching watching these these minutes when we were inside. I'm creeped out. Like, I'm generally <laughs> creeped out. Like I definitely feel what Anne's like feeling right now. She mm-hmm. her eyes are just wide to everything. Like like whereas I feel like uh Gordon, right? Is it Gordon? Gordon, Gordon is kind of uh like, going along with the flow, like, you know, he's, he's oh, he's going to interview, oh, no, they want to talk with Anne, oh, okay, I'll just stand over here, yeah. like, Gordon's not saying anything, like, you know, we really should kind of wrap this up and go to, because she's kind of, yeah, she's clearly almost, almost shocked to, to silence, she's done silence, but Gordon sees level-headed enough, he should be like, guys, can we just kind of, like, record while we walk and talk and try to, like, figure out where Dave is, Um, you know, because that was the first thing Anne said going into the maze, she was yelling for Dave, you know, Whereas everyone else was, you know, oh, amazed and they're obviously the others ran off that we haven't seen them since, you know, at least we haven't. I don't know about that. you know, the other uh, listener may have heard them in another minute, but for us, we're stuck in the maze. We haven't seen where Greg and Bryn went, where those Finnish uh, Taurus,
0: the Taurus. Yeah, we've gotten to kind of the group is, is set up. Just a, a, a quick aside. I don't know if you guys have anything on this. Like what the Gordon shirt, you mentioned Gordon. Speaking of Gordon, his t shirt. Do you is there like is that a, a video game character? Do you recognize what's going on there? Or is that just some random thing?
1: Yeah, I don't recognize a video, Jay, do you read is it any kind of band shirt
3: or anything? Uh, what uh what second?
0: Um probably the best view is a second thirty eight. You see Gordon standing next to Anne, you get a, it's like a it looks like a like a sixteen bit or eight bit video game character, mm-hmm. like carrying a sword and running. But mm-hmm. I don't know if this if it's you know is this something they just made for the movie, or is that like an established character?
3: I think I think it's something they made for the movie. It's definitely. Okay. Uh, let me zoom in here. Yeah,
1: it doesn't record. I don't recognize it. Any video game character? It looks like he's got cowboy boots on, yeah. and he's holding either a bread. It doesn't look like a sword so much as it looks like a loaf of bread or a corn on the cob, <laughs> and like yeah. a carrot in his other hand. Like if that's what it looks like to me.
0: There, yeah, there's there's and and maybe it's kind of part of a metaphor for this this movie as a whole, where it's like. He's wearing cowboy boots, but the rest of his outfit looks futuristic or like a space, you know, like almost like a Star Trek or um, Buck Rogers type outfit. Yeah, but then like he's—I don't know—I he's carrying. Yeah, I don't know. Like yeah, it looks like a, like a long loaf of Italian bread or a sword, or gauntlets, like, it's, he's Western, but space, but medieval, there's, like, a lot going on there.
3: My guess, my best guess would be, it's an obscure literary reference.
0: There you that, go. Yeah. That's, that's my best you can't guess. Can't go wrong with obscure literary yeah, because
3: reference. Because you, like, watching these these minutes, like, you see these, like, obscure things, and the very, everything seems very detail-oriented. You know, so mm-hmm. there's a purpose, and I'm not a I'm not a, a guy who finds a purpose in everything, but I feel a lot of this stuff. There's a purpose in all of it, you know, the, like the director, like whether he wanted to put it in there or it's like accidental, like pays an homage to something. But I feel like I feel like everything's thought out. Like you guys said, like the like you see the maturity and like the wall color and the plant and everything, and then you see the immaturity of having samurai swords on the wall. <laughs> You know, yeah, so it's very it's very like uh, mature and immature, like living in the same apartment.
1: I I am actually kind of curious w- watching th- this moment, uh, what the director's feeling is on a lot of um, cheaper action movie productions, like a lot of the ones you watch on Mystery Science Theater and riff tracks
0: mm-hmm.
1: where they they don't have a set, they don't have any budget for a set, so it's usually filmed in a warehouse, and to make the architecture, they'll use like cardboard boxes. Where, like, it's people just walking down hallways of cardboard boxes. And then, they'll like, they'll punch each other or blast through them. And it's like, dude, it's just empty cardboard boxes. Like, I'm the audience member. I can see it. Your characters are reacting to it as if it's a cardboard box. Like, there's no... You know what I'm saying? Like, it looks, it looks, like, cheesy. And then here he is. He has this whole thing, this maze made up of cardboard boxes. But it looks so well made. He could have cheaped out and just had cardboard boxes as his walls. Mm -hmm. But it's not. (laughs) It looks like... It looks like really good architecture of having, you know, texture and different sizes of cardboard boxes and different colors of them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jay.
3: Do you think – like just going back to minute 15 and uh, minute uh, 12 – 12. Do you think that Craft Services was the pizza that they ordered in the beginning of the film? <laughs> like, do you think that was the craft? <laughs> Look, guys, I can't. It is a little bit of film. I can't be paying yet, but uh, we'll work Craft Services into the film. I, yeah, I, I agree. In the budget.
1: But he, but once again, I wouldn't have ordered the 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 Works pizza. I would have like <laughs> we're getting cheese pizza, and that's the end of discussion.
3: Yeah, I got thirteen ninety five. I don't have fifteen ninety five. Come on, guys. Yeah, right. right. Like,
1: there's a deal. Like, it's nine dollars a pie if I get three cheese. So I think that's our best <laughs> chance.
3: Sorry, sorry. What were you saying, Sean? What was I going to say? Oh yeah, yeah. So that the,
0: just the point about how it's like obviously they they put a lot of work into m- giving it a certain look. Um, makes me think of South Park, where the the animation style has a certain primitive nature, and it kind of it, it it it's supposed to look like it's just things cut out of colored paper. Yeah, but. If you've ever, you know, if you've done any of the, if you looked at any of the behind the scenes or how it's made, that's like breaking, cutting edge technology, all the latest commuter, computer animation, just like 21st century technology that all goes into making it look so primitive. Yeah, and that kind of reminds me what's going here, that obviously they, a lot of care and work and time and, and effort went into making it look like. Just a bunch of cardboard, but when you look, de- like, it's obviously not just a bunch of cardboard. It isn't, um, yeah, it, it isn't cheap or sloppy that obviously the, the attention to detail was there to give it a certain kind of look.
3: Right, they didn't just post. They didn't open up boxes and post it there. They have, uh, you know, they have square support beams. They yeah, have, yeah. Um, There's buttresses. A, a, like we said, yeah, a fan. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, they they walk through it and they they give it chimneys. And the chimneys aren't just pipes. They have the they have the flanges on top. So when the air comes out, you know. So they put a lot of effort into making this film.
0: Yeah, and and, and the folks will discuss it other minutes. Oh, you know, we don't get too much of the maze. It's it's this minute. It's mostly. Uh, they're, they're sitting in this one, I don't know, room or cavern or opening with, with Anne and Gordon interacting with, um, with the film crew. But I think I'll, I'll use that point to jump off on kind of my thoughts on what's going on and what's this movie about in, in a larger message, message. And I think the, the maze is a metaphor for any project that you take on kind of any large project that you dedicate yourself to, it can become like a a labyrinth and it can kind of take on a life of its own and, and things grow. And the larger the project, it's going to affect you, you know, your friends and family, the people around you that are supporting you as you're going on this quest to achieve whatever the end is, whatever you're trying to build. Um, And a lot of times it, you don't always end up, where, you know, it doesn't end the way you thought it would. And there's twists and turns along the way. And, um, you know, it can become, you can kind of get lost in your work, lost in a project. And I think we got a little bit of that earlier on. And I'll admit, I, I cheated a bit. I I have seen the movie. You son
3: of a bitch! <laughs> Dave, let's go, Sean.
0: No, I, yeah, so we'll put I did. we we'll put
3: him in the maze. Um,
0: <laughs> you go, so this is, you know... I, I I I guessed I kind of pieced together some of the hints that that Robert Black put out there and I was able to figure out what the movie was. Uh, now for our previous minutes I I watched just the minutes that we were assigned and I took my notes and that's kind of when we talked previously I was just going off of what I had noted without seeing the whole movie. But uh having seen the whole thing now I kind of see it kind of made me think of um you know a, a project like doing a podcast and covering a movie one minute at a time where you you have your plans and your preparation and what you think is going to happen. And you kind of hope you'll make it to the end that you can say, you know, you have that achievement. I started it and I finished it and everything, but it it can kind of take a life of its own and you can get lost in it. You can drag people in there with you. And it kind of, it kind of, can follow this kind of path of what we're seeing with Dave and, and his friends and, and what's going on with, with the maze here, you know, cause that's, so that's, that's where I thought, that's what I thought, that's what the message kind of the movie that, that I was getting from, you know, from the movie and kind of what the maze started meaning to me.
1: I like, no, I, I like that because it's, it's, um, Especially now with, I feel like there's a lot more, like with, with, um, projects like Kickstarter and Patreon, how mm-hmm. it's no longer just the creator and the, the audience. Now it's becoming more of a collaborative effort, and I think that does muddle some things. Whereas some projects that could be a collaborative effort, um, uh, whether it be maybe something with a social reasoning or a political reason where you want the people to focus on, Sometimes, mm-hmm. yeah, when it's a when it's a form of media, like it's a it's a movie, it's a it's a song, it's a game. Uh, sometimes I do get nervous when they're like, "Oh, we want people's effort." It's like, well, I understand you want people's input, but there's a there's a there's a there's a point where it's like, no, dude, this is your project, and I rather just I rather just you make the project, you sell me on the project, and I give you the money when the project's over, rather than it be this whole, you know, give me, you know. Like you know, give it, uh, some money now, and you can get in early, and then you can help the development team of making the thing, the project. I don't like that because I think you find yourself in a maze like that, where right. where now mm-hmm. you have a million people who it's free for them to now voice their opinions to you and to and, and and to the creator. It's like oh, I gotta get this all done, or else the game, or the movie, or the the thing is not gonna, or or, or, or you know, this artwork's not gonna be uh, perfect now, and then it, it turns into appeasing a lot of people rather than make it to appease yourself and that you feel as comfortable giving to people. I think I,
2: I hope I, yeah. I'm getting
1: that point across where it's a lot of times. Yeah. When I just see stuff, it's like, Oh, it's early access. And if you pay now, you can get to help, you know, developers know what you think about it. It's like, no, like, no, just make, well, make the project.
3: Yeah. To add on to what Dave's saying, if you have a passion project, don't get any input for yourself because it's not going to turn out into something you want it to turn out. It's going to turn out to everybody. You know, this isn't Snakes on a Plane. This is a passion project, <laughs> you know? Yeah,
0: I, I love that point. You're so true with with things like Kickstarter and social media that, that that boundary between the creator and the audience gets blurred sometimes. And it's, you know, it's old news to talk about if, you know, if you, how... You know, a committee can kind of kill creativity, or or we've seen movies that it's just like, okay, this was obviously created by committee. This was created in a boardroom. There's, you know, they just sucked all the artistic joy out of it. But the same thing can happen even if you're, even if your audience is their fans. they're, they're involved because they're passionate because they like what you're doing or they like the artist. So they're coming from a different angle than an executive that's just making the decisions out, you know, f- for budgetary reasons. And they're just thinking about money, but the effect can be the same. It's just, yeah, too many cooks in the kitchen can water everything down. And yeah, you got to keep that focus of, yeah, agreeing with both of you. Yeah. If it, if it's a passion project, keep, keep it on your passion yeah. and kind of keep it. You know, keep it to your vision and not let too many people in.
3: And it's like... Oh, sorry. Go, Jay. To play uh, devil's advocate on that, the only real good thing that can come out of that where you... um... Where you actually get people's opinions and you see what they want is uh, the word of mouth. Uh, is people go look? I had a hand in creating this, and they're bringing ten people to the theater. And then you know that people that person's bringing ten people. Hey, my buddy Dave, he helped make this movie. You know, so it's it's like it gets people to see your movie, see a movie. It just doesn't get people to see your movie.
1: Yeah, and it's like right. if you mm-hmm. want to make something, then after you make, it, it's like you got to know your budget and know your scope. You you put that project out there, then you could do the postmortem, the criticism of what people liked, and what people didn't like, and be like, all right, well, I want to advance this this project. You you make yourself a sequel, or you make yourself a spiritual sequel to that, whatever it may be—a movie, a song, an album, a game—and then you can now take that criticism, both good and bad, and then you can make a, pro- a, a, a project worth um, you know worth expanding upon. Whereas you're trying to make you're trying to make the game. I keep saying get back to games. I do. I do. I do. I do a lot of kickstarting of board games. I do a lot of like looking at early access uh, board games and video games and stuff. So that's like, like my go to example. But it's like they try to make the game and its sequel within the one project. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they lose scope. And then you'll hear the horror story where it's just like they their funding got so out of whack. They hired 100 people. They couldn't pay 100 people to make something for a, for five years. It's impossible. And then yeah. stuff falls well, apart. What,
3: well that's what they did, uh that's what I feel like they did uh with the movie, uh, uh not to get too off topic, uh The Predator. They when when they signed on to do the Predator, they go, All right, we need uh, Predator two and three and you're like Shane, but Shane Black doesn't want to make all that. Just make a good movie, not yeah, not like a not yeah, you know. yeah. and you're like shit, I got a shitty movie because the they're like, All right, we need to set this up for Predator two and three
1: yeah, it's it's oh man, that's, that's it's it's a shame because that first Predator film is so good. And it like one half, of you is like, "It's a perfect movie. It it doesn't need a sequel." The other half is like, "Oh, I want I want more." And you know, and you have those two conflict, and then the the person that wants the sequel adds in a bunch of malarkey, and then they get the committee, and then it's like, "Well, it should be more of a comedy, but we should also have this in and have you know, have more characters, make more jokes."
3: <laughs> well, yeah. uh, th- that being said. I really hope all listeners tune into Dave Made a Maze podcast, the by the minute, because that's what we're supposed to be talking yeah. about. <laughs> yeah. But I hope you know I hope everyone listens and enjoys every single minute, uh, especially uh, this minute. And I uh, and I hope uh, you know everybody enjoyed the movie for this guy who obviously made a project that you know was unheard of and bizarre from what the three minutes I've watched.
1: But I'm very intrigued, and that's the good part. Is I'm in no way am I turned off to be like, ugh, this was a slug. I'm actually like going, like I think I could just rent and watch this tonight. Like just, yeah. just now that I'm I know, very interested. Yeah, uh, I really want to see where Anne and Gordon and the crew go, and if we're, I want to know what's going to happen to the Finnish tourists. Mm. Uh, I want to know. Yeah, I mean, because already.
0: You know, we, we we've talked about how this this movie and the filmmaker is obviously a fan of other films and and other things that are we're feeling kind of the, the influence here and that horror movie trope of the group has been separated. Yeah, you know, yeah, we, we're we're you know we're not seeing Greg and Brynn, we're not seeing the the Finnish tourists. Like, ooh, so what what's going on? The other parts of this maze, and it doesn't seem like they're getting any closer. Um, you know, this group and, and and Gordon, like they're not any closer to finding Dave at this point. There's, yeah. there's still lots of movie left to go.
3: And the, the camera crew doesn't care about finding Dave. They're there to make a movie. Right. You know, obviously yeah. by slowing them down and having them sit down and have Annie hold a sign that says Annie. So
1: I, yeah, <laughs> that I, I'm very curious with that crew, that camera crew could represent some kind of B movie documentary. That's trying to record the project as the project's being recorded. And it's just like how unnecessary it feels because you know we're in the present making this thing, and she, her, it's, it's, they, they they put the camera on. And she's like, "We're in the maze. We're trying to find Dave." And then they're like, "Oh, hold on. We'll get to that." It's <laughs> like, "Well, what else are we supposed to be talking about, man?" Like, yeah, like we're trying we to get Dave. About? Oh boy. Um. So uh, that's. I, I think we're clearly at the end of our our minutes. Uh, is there any other last thoughts we have here? No. Okay.
0: Yeah, just that this is a a a wacky, weird, intense at, at certain times movie. Mm-hmm. Um and this has been a very strange experience to do kind of three minutes of of something we we haven't seen or we started out not having seen. And uh, you know, I hope the other you know, the other hosts are enjoying it as much as, as we have. Yeah. And I hope the listeners are enjoying it as well.
1: Yeah. Uh, tune, yeah, tune in to the next hosts and uh, and uh, I'm gonna to have to take. Yeah, I want to, to take a listen. I going to, have to watch this. I'm gonna to to check this out. So uh, yeah, so Jay, for for the listeners, uh, let them know where they can find you.
3: Um, uh, I'll be posting again more podcasts from Whole Wheat Costa. That's Whole Wheat C O S T A. Uh, you can catch me on iTunes and YouTube and Spotify. Uh, Dave. Uh,
1: yeah, you can find me over at Five Minutes of Mystery. I'm talking about Mystery Men, and uh, and sometimes I have a discussions with Dave where I talk about other stuff. I talk about board games and video games and other little, little pop culture things. Sean.
0: Yeah, and uh, so I did uh, Groundhog Minute where I talked about Groundhog Day one minute at a time with, with Dave Pallas. And I did Spinal Tap Minute. I've got five minutes of, of mime. I've do lots of things. I do guest appearances. I was on the the five minutes of mystery show, which I, which I really enjoyed, and I think was um, probably the best episode of that of that show. Um, it's
1: up there. You know. It's like, it's neck and neck with Crystal. <laughs> I
0: was, I'm kidding. I, I did okay. I think it's worth the Crystal one. Yeah, was was really good as well. So and,
3: and there's 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 hey, who did the intro? Oh yeah, who, who was and, the pilot episode? Who helped? Uh, who did that? Who did that pilot episode? That was really good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, a great show. But you can, you know, you can find all my shows and guest appearances and everything if you go to Cat and Sean org, and it's Kat, Cat C A T, Sean S E A N, and and A N D in the middle dot org. So so yeah, Cat and org. You can that links to all my my podcast stuff, and uh, you know. I don't know. Just Google Robert Black, and you'll you'll find what what he's up to.
3: <laughs> do, do not Google Robert Black. He's a Scottish serial Just do serial a web killer.
0: search for Robert Black, and that'll tell you everything you need to know. <laughs> and and then if you're, and then come back for a minute twenty. Being
3: on this podcast uh, in between recordings, I actually went to go buy uh, more deadbolts for all my doors because yeah. Robert Black. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Robert Black coming in.
1: Oh, no, no, no more minutes, Robert Black. No. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, until next time, uh, we can't wait to see you around the cardboard corner.
3: And then I can probably disarm all the traps. And then we can, we can finish this maze. Who is with me?
1: That was Sean German and Dave Palace from Groundhog Minute, along with James Costa of Whole Week Costa, taking on Minute 22 of Dave Made a Maze. Forgot to put that in the script. <laughs> they might never be back again next time on Dave Made a Minute we've got Tierney Still Callahan and Mark Carlucci of Return to Oz Minute taking on Minute 23
2: thank you for listening to Dave Made a Minute intro dialogue snippets were taken from Dave Made a Maze directed by Bill Watterson written by Bill Watterson and Steve Sears and produced by John Charles Meyer Intro music is Diversion by The Equals featured in the film Dave Made a Maze and Life Cycle of a Match by Parvis Decree. Outro music is Leaving This Godforsaken Place and Her Presence is Strong Here by Parvis Decree. Dave Made a Minute is a production of Lemming Drops Studio and all other featured podcast producers. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Dave Made a Minute. If you like what you hear, throw us a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice, and check out all of the participants' other shows to spread the love around. Again, thank you for listening.
1: As long as we're all working together, this is going to be fine. It's going to be great. I need you to notify the families of everyone who died here today. Totally.
0: Wait, what?